Hey listeners, it's your host, Daisha. And uh, before you go any further, I just want to say... Spoiler alert. In fact, this isn't just a spoiler alert for those who haven't seen The Force Awakens. It's a spoiler alert for people who don't want to speculate about the future Star Wars movies. So, last warning, if you haven't seen The Force Awakens, stop the podcast, go see it, and come back. Okay, welcome back. Hope you are ready to learn all about the score to The Force Awakens and an amazing composer, John Williams, with an awesome teacher, Maestro Brett Mitchell, who actually taught another episode of the Classical Classroom on the first Star Wars movies. I'll make sure to post a link to that episode in the article for this one. By the way, if you like episodes like this one and you want for us to keep making them, use The Force and go to iTunes and rate and review us. With each new review, we fight the dark side. All right, enjoy the show. My name is Daisha Clay. I'm the audio librarian here at Classical 91.7. While I'm a real librarian, I have a deep, dark secret. I know very little about classical music. I grew up listening to rock. And I know something about jazz. But when it comes to classical... But I really want to learn. So... Every week on this show, a classical music expert will give me a piece of classical music they think I should know, and then we'll discuss it. Come learn with me in the classical classroom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the classical classroom. I'm Daisha Clay, and here with us... From the studios of WCLV in Cleveland is Brett Mitchell. He is the associate conductor of the Cleveland Orchestra, the music director of the Cleveland Orchestra Youth Orchestra. Prior to that, he was the music director of the Saginaw Bay Symphony Orchestra and assistant conductor of the Houston Symphony. He's led performances all over the world with great orchestras and performers, and he's generally a really big deal. Um, (laughs) But most important for our purposes today, he is a big, beautiful Star Wars nerd. Brett, welcome to the Classical Classroom again. It is so good to be back, Daisha. So so what are you going to be teaching me about today? Oh, I can't even wait. I'm going to be teaching you about teddy bears. (laughs) They're called Ewoks. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) You're ridiculous. One of the 48 things that ruined that film. Off we go. Off we go. Let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about that. Stupid Ewoks. Right. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. All right, here we go. Let's talk about the music, the brand new score that 83-year-old, soon-to-be 84-year-old John Williams wrote for Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. I am all about this. Okay, where... <laughs> Me too. Where do we start? Well, I think... I think a great place to start is by just kind of talking about the scope of what John Williams has done uh, since 1977 with these Star Wars films. Um, you know, the the kind of big comparison uh, that always gets made between Mr. Williams' scores for the Star Wars films, all seven of them now, uh, is with Richard Wagner's enormous four-opera ring cycle. Mm-hmm. And the four operas of The Ring, uh, it took Wagner about 26 years to write the four ring operas, and it's somewhere around 15 hours of music. Star Wars now 
also has around 15 hours of music, and John has done that over the course of 38 years. Wow. So the extraordinary thing is, is that both The Ring and the Star Wars soundtracks are right now at about 15 hours each. So yeah. we can legitimately talk about what John Williams has contributed to these films mm-hmm. as literally Wagnerian in scope. And when you look at, like, I, I don't know how how many people have, have been able to really pay attention to the, the music in The Force Awakens, but you have ample opportunity to do that because the film is two hours and 15 minutes long, 135 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And out of those 135 minutes, 102 of them have score. So 75% of the film has score. And that's, that's just, uh, it's just an absolutely uh, remarkable thing that, that Mr. Williams has been able to, um, to contribute to, to this, uh, this continuing and ever expanding saga now. Is it, is that, is that atypical for film? Do you know? I mean, like that, that's a lot of music. Yeah, it's it's a lot, but I'll say this that when when they were doing the original Star Wars film back in 1977, uh not only the amount of music that was in that film, which was probably around 75% of the film as well, mm-hmm. but just the fact that it was an orchestral score, yeah. a symphonic score, which was so out of fashion in the late 1970s. I mean, it was it was much kind of hipper and trendier to do uh, kind of dance-based music. Or right. to, I mean, think, it was it was disco. This is Saturday Night Fever. This is the, the kind of scores that you were getting. And so, so mm-hmm. even when John Williams collaborated with Steven Spielberg on Jaws in 1975, which won him his first Oscar for Best Original Score. Uh, Even that is not really a great, big, full symphonic score in the way that Star Wars is. So while it was really radical back in 1977, part of Mr. Williams' legacy has been that orchestral music has really come back into favor Mm -hmm. in terms of film scoring and in terms of the amount of music in Mm -hmm. a film as well. Yeah. I mean, what, what a legacy to leave behind. Well, absolutely. And, and one of the really cool things about this, and maybe this is a great way to start talking uh, about this new score. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, that he has implemented from uh, the very beginning is this idea of, of the light motif. We were just comparing uh, the Star Wars scores with uh, the ring cycle of Wagner. And yeah. Wagner was really the one that came up with this idea of the light motif. I, I actually looked this up in the dictionary before, uh, before we uh, taped here. And I'll, I'll just give you the dictionary definition of a light motif. A light motif is a recurrent theme throughout a musical composition associated with a particular person, idea, or situation. Mm-hmm. Um, for people that, that know the ring cycle, or even for people that don't, uh, the most famous leitmotif, probably of all time, is the very famous Ride of the Valkyries, mm-hmm. uh, which m- most of us know as Kill the Wabbit. I think we actually uh, have a, a, little, a little clip of the Ride of the Valkyries. So every yeah. time you hear this music, one of the Valkyries, or all 12 of them, appear on screen. So it's kind of heating up, uh-huh. and you hear that rhythm. 
And you hear those flying violins, and in the brass comes the leitmotif. <laughs> so that's that's really all you need. Mm-hmm. And every time, I mean, part of the the fun of these leitmotifs is making them as instantly recognizable as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. So if you can go. Even just that by itself, or that's enough to be able to say, "Ah, I see Brunhilde is coming," or the Valkyries are coming. Uh-huh. Something like that. Well, this approach, this is exactly what John Williams took from Richard Wagner and the great film score composers that came before him, mm-hmm. and put into. Uh, into the Star Wars films. Uh, there's a great quote. There's a really fantastic article on this on a, a website called uh, projectorandorchestra.com. It's called John Williams on the Force Awakens and the Legacy of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And the way that the author, Tim Grieving, uh, wrote about this, uh, I thought was just fantastic. He says, Williams defined and per- uh, perfected the leitmotif approach to film scoring with the original Star Wars trilogy, brilliantly hanging indelible tunes on dozens of characters, character relationships, and locations. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the genius of the leitmotif. So when we think about leitmotifs in uh, the original Star Wars trilogy, for example, probably the most famous one is um, Darth Vader's theme, the bad guy. That's uh, in, uh, also known as the Imperial March, goes like this. Right, that's how it begins. And again, with just a few notes, that's only two chords and a handful of notes, you know instantly that Vader is near. Yeah. So that's one recognizable demo. Now, now that's the bad guy from the original trilogy. Let's talk about uh, the good guy in the original trilogy, and that's Luke Skywalker. And mm-hmm. it's his theme is also the main theme of Star Wars. It is the music that you hear at the beginning of every Star Wars film uh, after the opening fanfare. And I think we have a, a little bit of that to hear as well. Oh, yeah. So this is the opening fanfare. And here's Luke's theme. Every time I hear this music, I have to throw my hands up in the air (laughs) in victory. I'm doing it right now. So that's that's Luke's theme, right? And as opposed to Vader's theme, which is always going down. Uh Which is interesting. Luke's theme goes up. Mm -hmm. Right? Always goes up and up and up. Well, the the theme, the main theme, and this is probably the first time we should point out that there are going to be spoilers here, right? We've, yeah. We're going to discuss this openly. Everybody's had a month, so if you don't want to hear spoilers, go see the movie and then come back. Um, <laughs> Luke's theme, for everybody that has seen the film, you know that Luke does not show up in the film until the last, oh, I don't know, 30 seconds or so. Um, But what John does, although he uses the theme very seldom in The Force Awakens, Mm -hmm. um, 
when he does use it, it's to great effect. The first time that we actually hear that theme in The Force Awakens is the first time we see Han Solo when uh, Daisy Ridley's character Ray and John Boyega's character Finn, uh, they get kind of, they're in the Millennium Falcon and they get sucked into this ship. They have no idea that it's Han Solo's uh, new ship and they think they're in great danger and they're hiding and then all of a sudden the door to the Falcon opens and who walks in but Han Solo saying that line that we heard in the trailer when he says, Chewie, we're home. Uh Here's how John uses that motif, the old Star Wars motif, for Han Solo's reintroduction in The Force Awakens. Mm And that's it. Just just a little hint, right? And it's harmonized totally differently. Mm -hmm. And then the Rathars come and get them. Okay. Uh, Harmonized totally differently than it was any time you hear it in the original trilogy. But there it is because it's so recognizable. Right. Well, and that's that's so, the beauty of 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 leitmotif. Besides the fact that it's the one of the few terms that I have retained from my lessons <laughs> in classical classroom, I actually remember leitmotif. Um, but but the 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 uh, sort of um, subconscious level that it works on, even yeah. if you are not paying attention to to the music. There's, yeah, I went. Your brain is I went and saw this for the for the third time over the holidays uh, when I was in Seattle with my family, mm-hmm. uh, including my two younger brothers, uh, neither of whom are musicians. And as we were walking out of the theater, my middle brother uh, said to me, "You know, every time that that melody comes, and it's the melody we're about to talk about, uh, it's known as the Force theme." Um, he says, "Man, it just sends shivers up and down my spine. It makes me feel like I'm a kid again." And huh. that is. That's really the power of leitmotif is yeah. that you can hear these same melodies over and over again for now 38, 39 years. And yet when you continually dress them up uh, in new clothing, uh, it's amazing how utilitarian these leitmotifs can be. Yeah. So I thought a, a really cool transition from the original trilogy themes to this new film. I thought it would be cool to listen to a track from the new film, um, which is called Scherzo for X-Wings. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is um, essentially a whole bunch of variations on Luke's theme uh-huh. as the accompaniment to the attack on Starkiller Base at the end of the film. All of the themes in this track are only from the original trilogy. Um, okay. And in fact, with the exception of Luke's theme, the only other theme we hear is the Force theme, um, which I just mentioned that my brother loves so much, and I think we all do. The most famous statement of the force theme is I would I would bet uh, from the very first movie uh, A New Hope when Luke is kind of fighting his destiny and he doesn't doesn't want to remain stuck on this planet mm-hmm. and he stands there at sunset and he watches those two suns set the binary sunset mm-hmm. and you hear the force theme kind of calling Luke away from from Tatooine so here's mm-hmm. here's a little bit of what the force theme sounds like And that's the end of Luke's theme. And he walks out and he looks at the suns and here is that theme in the horn.
Is that trombone or French horn? It's horn. Okay. And that's it. So that's mm-hmm. that's the force theme. So if you can hang on to Luke's theme, which is, and you can hang on to the force theme, you're going to have a lot of fun listening to uh, Scherzo for X Wings. And I'll talk you through this as well. So here's Scherzo for X Wings. Okay. Here comes Luke's theme for the first time. The trumpets. There's always these little transitional passages. Mm-hmm. And here it comes again in the horns. Transition. And here it comes again in the horns. And in the trumpets. Mm-hmm. Here comes a full statement of the theme. You used a word, scherzo. Will you remind mm-hmm. our listeners what a scherzo is? Yeah, of course, absolutely. So scherzo is just the Italian word for joke, actually. <laughs> and it it's usually some kind of dance, and it's a dance that has three usually very fast beats in a bar. If if any of uh, our listeners know Mr. Williams' score for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, uh, you'll remember that there is a, a great scene with a motorcycle chase where uh, Indiana Jones and his father uh, in a sidecar played by Sean Connery <laughs> are uh, running from the Nazis. And that piece is actually called Scherzo for Motorcycle and Orchestra. And now in this new film, uh, we have Scherzo for X-Wings. So this is, uh, this is just uh, John Williams having, having a little bit of fun. Awesome. All right. Yeah, isn't that cool? It's great because it's so fun and it's so fulfilling to get to that track at the end of the album. That's I think it's like three or four tracks before the end of the album because you've been want you're the whole film were spent wanting to know where is Luke, including where is Luke's theme. Uh-huh. And so somehow them attacking uh, Starkiller Base, you know that you're getting closer to Luke because you start hearing Luke's theme uh, a lot there. Right. And it's really, yeah. really cool. Yeah, really it's, cool. it is really cool. And, you know, I think that I don't know if this is something that people that composers typically use in music, but you said something about, you know, it, here you get the the full expression of the theme or the full statement, I think is what you said. Mm -hmm. How leading up to that, there are all of these sort of teasers in the music. You're like, oh, here it comes. No, that's not it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it builds this sense of tension. 
And he's a master at that. And that's such a cinematic thing to do, isn't it? I mean, to, to kind of build the tension and build the tension and build the tension. And then all of a sudden you get the, the release of the full statement of the yeah. theme. It's just he's, he's a master at that. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. Well, as we as we kind of transition to um, to the new the new film, I thought maybe it would be cool to to hear a, a track, a really great track that marries some of the themes from the old uh, trilogy uh, with the new film. Yeah. And there's there's one track in particular I'm thinking of. Uh, it's called, uh, strangely enough, Han and Leia. Mm. And in this um, in this beautiful beautiful track, you get three themes from the original trilogy, you get Princess Leia's theme, Mm -hmm. you get Han and Leia's theme, you get the rebel fanfare, and then from the new film, you get what's known as the March of the Resistance, which is kind of the good guy's march. Yeah. So, so let's talk through each of those, um, those four themes just very briefly um, before we hear this great track, Han and Leia. So I mentioned the first theme that we'll hear is Princess Leia's theme. So let's just listen to what Princess Leia's theme sounded like in the original Star Wars film when Carrie Fisher was just 19 years old. Oh my God. Here it is in the horn. So that's Leia's theme. Yeah. Basically, what you need to remember is the the head motive, as we would call it, which goes like this. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to remember mm-hmm. for Leia's theme. Yeah. And then in Empire Strikes Back, we get a, another new lyrical theme, and this is actually known as Han Solo and the Princess, but it's basically Han and Leia's love theme. And here's what that sounds like in Empire little prelude music in the flute and you'll hear it in the horn right here oh yeah that's a good one Okay, so that's that's Han and, and Leia's theme. And interestingly, if you think about Leia's theme opening mm-hmm. with that major sixth rising, mm-hmm. Han and Leia's theme does the same thing. It's just a key lower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just goes to a different place. Yeah. So we've had Leia's theme. We've had Han and Leia's theme. Uh, there's what we call the Rebel Fanfare, which is these three major chords that are kind of played well as a fanfare for the rebels. 
right? That's anytime you hear that, that's the rebels. Uh, we're not going to play this in today's show, but the first time you hear that in um, in the Force Awakens is when uh, Ray and Finn are trying to escape and they're looking for a ship. And mm-hmm. Finn says, what about that one? She says, no, that's a piece of garbage. We're going to take that one, and that one gets blown up. <laughs> right. And she says, the garbage will do. And right. what is the garbage? The garbage is the Millennium Falcon. And that's yeah. the first time we hear the Rebel fanfare, which is really cool. <laughs> so those are our three old themes. But there is one new theme, which is um, known as the March of the Resistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Resistance is basically uh, just the new Rebel Alliance, right? Just just yeah. like the, uh, you know, it, it's all kind of recycled. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> so so um, the thing that you need to know about the March of the Resistance is that it is just like Luke's theme was ascending and Darth Vader's theme is descending. Mm-hmm. These guys are the good guys, the Resistance in the new films and so their theme is ascending Mm -hmm. even though it's in minor let's hear a little bit of that march of the resistance okay here's the march and that's the theme Mm-hmm. That's basically what you need to know. So that constantly rising theme. There we go. Am I, am I so, mistaken in, in thinking that it doesn't sound as victorious? As, as no, the you're original. exactly right. Okay. And, and part of the reason for that, which is really interesting, and I think we'll probably learn more about that in, in episodes eight and nine, but, you know, both, uh, not to jump the gun here, but both the resistance theme and our main heroine's theme, Ray, are actually in minor. Uh, uh-huh. which is, which is a fascinating thing. And that's what, that's what you're picking up on. Yeah. That, I mean, it's rising and going up and up and up, mm-hmm. but it's still going up and up and up in minor. And yeah. that's, it definitely gives it a, a different character. It's like, it's it's sort of a, a qualified victory. It's like, you know, it's sort of like, a, there's a little bit of... Yeah, and there's, and there, it... It's not quite as black and white, I think. Yeah. You know? I mean, certainly episodes one, two, three, but really four, five, six were very black and white. I mean, you, you've, mm-hmm. got, you've got Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker dressed all in white in A New Hope throughout <laughs> right. the film. Yeah. You've got Darth Vader dressed all in black. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't get uh, much clearer than that. Yeah. So with those three old themes and that new theme, the March of the Resistance, let's listen to just the first couple of minutes of, of uh, Han and Leia from from this um this new theme the thing uh, this new film rather the thing that you'll you'll hear which i find so brilliant on john's part is that instead of playing leia's theme up here he doesn't play it up there anymore leia's older she's been through a lot mm-hmm. and so instead of that bright d major we get it in a much mellower E flat major. So instead of two sharps, three flats, which makes everything sound a little bit darker. And he gives it to the lowest register of the lowest flute possible. Mm-hmm. So the same instrument, but very low. So it sounds like somehow sadder. Yeah. 
And he does the same thing uh, with Han and Leia's theme when that comes as well. So, so here we are. Here's a little bit of Han and Leia right from the beginning. And here's Leia. some underscore and here comes Han and Leia's theme in the cellos cool thing about the ending of that theme right there is that it ends just like their interrupted kiss Uh on the falcon in Empire. Now here's the resistance coming. Obviously martial militaristic music. Mm -hmm. Here's the theme. All right, and let's stop there. Did you hear those those flutes? Just uh-huh. two of the three chords for the the rebel fanfare. Yeah. Amazing how he just and it only takes a couple of them. It's it's just, just so drops effective. Drops it in there, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. so effective. Absolutely. Good stuff. We haven't really talked any about the instrumentation, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm wondering if if there's a, a major difference in the instrumentation from the the first movies. And this movie, if he sticks mm. with the same stuff or what, what's going no, on No, he, he really does stick with, with the same stuff. And in fact, he talks about, about how much old versus new there is in terms of music. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just read a little quote from him. He says, There are several references to the older scores which we felt were obligatory, references to the Force and earlier characters, Luke Skywalker and so on, which we've already heard today. But we also felt, he says, that we should have new material that was an extension of the collection or glossary, if you like, of themes from the other six pictures. Mm -hmm. And so there's, he says, I think there's about 102 minutes of music in the film. And we've measured that there's seven minutes of references to earlier films. Mm -hmm. So the great preponderance of material is new, 90% or more. And my task and my challenge was to make it feel friendly and related, interrelated to the other scores so that it feels comfortably Star Warsian, if you can use that <laughs> word, and at the same time be new and original to this piece. And then he goes on to talk a little more technically about, about what it is that he, that he keeps the same. But one of those things is exactly what you said. He says um, it would include, without being technical about it, a similarity in harmonic modalities, a similarity in stylistic intervallic 
choices for melodies, similarities in orchestral textural presentations, and the like. So that's really part of the way that he achieves that consistency is by keeping the same kind of orchestra that he's been working with uh, since 1977 all the way through scoring this film uh, in the middle of 2015. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad I asked. Yeah. Let's go to to the the new themes. Um, you know, we had uh, a good guy in the first trilogy. We had a bad guy. It doesn't sound quite so menacing when you play it like that. Uh, <laughs> but there's a there's a good guy, quote unquote, and a bad guy in the new film as well. And yeah. the good guy, as anybody who has seen the film or not been hiding under a rock for the last month knows, is not a guy at all. Uh, it's uh, a, a, an amazing, amazing young actress named Daisy Ridley who plays Ray. Uh, and she has a, a wonderful theme that is kind of related to Luke's theme in some ways. But again, as I mentioned before, it's in minor rather than major. Let me just play you um, a little bit just on the piano of Ray's theme, and you'll hear that rise. Mm And then it ends Mm. different ways at different presentations. But the thing about Ray that's so important to know is not the melody itself, because the melody, while it's fine, isn't particularly memorable. What's really important is the harmony. Now, listen to the force theme in that key. So you go from that chord for quite a long time to that chord. Uh Now listen to what Ray's theme does. It couldn't be clearer, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the exact same chord. So the melody actually doesn't really matter at all. What matters is the harmony, and that's the same harmony whether it's the force theme or whether it's Ray's theme. And in fact, we'll hear this in the, uh, in the end credits, that he actually puts the two themes together mm-hmm. uh, and plays them at the same time uh, in counterpoint. So it's, it's really, really a, a phenomenal piece of, of composition to tie a, a brand new character. I mean, look, Daisy Ridley was born, uh, when was she born? She must have been born in the early 1990s, yeah. right? So yeah. all of the original trilogy had come and gone by the time she was around, and yet he finds this way to tie, uh, tie her to the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of other things that we'll hear in Ray's theme that, that I want to show you before they begin. One of which is this ostinato rhythm, um, just means obstinate, right? It's a rhythm that repeats itself over and over again, kind of depicts the monotony of Ray's scavenger life on that desert planet that she's on, Jakku. Mm -hmm. And it's based on a minor third. It goes like this. Just over and over, right? Over and over again. And then you also hear some bells, which go like this. The interesting thing about that is if you take 
the contour. And you play it that is known as the DSE ray and it's from the requiem mass from the latin oh, latin yeah. hymn the DSE ray is the day of wrath and so every time ray's theme comes around there's something kind of portentous about doom about it which is yeah. which is interesting i have no idea where it will go right um, i want to but, know what it but means there it is <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> wait till 2019. We'll find out together. So, so let's um, let's listen to Ray's theme, and I'll, I'll talk you through it in terms of when we're hearing that ostinato. Okay. The bells and Ray's main theme. Here's Ray's theme. So we open with that ostinato. And here come the bells. Ostinato again. And we start heating up. Here's the theme. Here come the bells as a transition. Now what you'll find about this theme as we go on is it gets higher and higher. He keeps changing keys for her. New adventures, B flat minor now. And to B minor. And here's the second statement. D minor now, by the way. We've gone from A to B flat to B up to D. Up and up and up and up. There's that ostinato in the strings. And just when you think it's dying down... Fourth statement, up again to E flat minor. is how much of the plot Williams is privy to when he sits down and writes yeah. the scores. Well, but exactly. Yeah. But, what, you know, you know one, th- one thing I can tell you about this particular theme, you know, I mentioned how it, it rose and rose and rose. We started in... 
we started in A minor, mm -hmm. and then we go to B flat minor, and then we go to B minor, and then we go to D minor, and then we go to E flat minor. So it's rising and rising and rising and rising. So not only is she taking on new journeys, but mm -hmm. the interesting thing about where we end, mm -hmm. what key we end in, the E flat minor, that is not an arbitrary choice on John Williams's part. Okay. E flat is as far away as you can get from A. You can't get any further away harmonically from A than E flat. Oh my God, because so is you're halfway turn between. Well, that's, and here's the interesting thing, and you and I, I know, talked about this before, that, that tritone yeah. interval, which is going to be important in what we're about to talk about, actually, uh -huh. about the bad guys theme, that's known as the devil in music, the <gasps> diabolus in musica. So whether it's a question of what happens to her, or more likely, I think what, what Williams is trying to show is how far Ray has progressed on her journey uh -huh. and how far she has to go. She ends up, and we end up, in listening to that theme, as far away as possible from where we began. Oh my God. It's, it's a brilliant piece of conversation. It's killing me. And you know what's interesting, <laughs> too, is it's like leitmotif, leitmotif uh, and I think we've talked about this a little bit before, it works kind of in the same way that, that like... Um, archetypes and tropes and things like that work in, in storytelling. And, you know, I think it's interesting that Williams is drawing upon, like, the DA Siri, going all yeah. the way back to, like, a serious musical archetype to well, and bring that into. Yeah. I got a, a great book uh, for Christmas called um, The White Goddess, which is all about kind of these, it, it's sort of like Joseph Campbell um, yeah, yeah. in terms uh -huh. of describing these these old, ancient kind of universal myths. And the reason that I, I asked for that book is I know how hugely important that book has been to John Williams over his career. In fact, if you remember um, in uh, episode one in Phantom Menace, he's got chorus for the main theme. Mm -hmm. um, the the kind of the bad the bad theme the duel of the fates and the chorus sings words in Sanskrit not because of anything other than John liked the way that the vowels sounded mm -hmm. but the words that they're singing in Sanskrit are actually from uh, from what he found in that book the White Goddess so uh -huh. he's very well aware of all of these all of these influences that he's absorbing, just like all of the influences that George Lucas absorbed, all the influences yeah. that J.J. Abrams absorbed, etc. So this is all very, very conscious, so I think. all of the people who are involved in this film are, like, really seriously tapping into something very essential in human nature. Well, and that's and that's how you make something that has that has that speaks to everybody that has yeah. universal appeal. You know, the more specific you make something, the fewer people it talks to. Right. Mm -hmm. The more general you can make it, the more relatable it becomes to everyone. Mm -hmm. yeah. What's up next? We've got bad guys, right? So yeah, so we had we had the good guy, which isn't a guy at all, but uh, at all, but a gal. Yeah. And now we've got uh, the bad guy, uh, and the bad guy is Kylo Ren. Now, just like we talked about Luke's theme ascending and Ray's theme ascending. Vader's theme descends. Well, so does Kylo Ren's theme. Mm -hmm. You 
hear that tritone again? Uh-huh. The Devil's Interval. Yeah. Um, this is Kylo. Actually, has two themes, but that's the theme that is um, that is most associated with him, and it appears right at the beginning of the film uh, in the attack on the Jakku village. Let's hear it. It's almost always in the horns. Okay. So that's it. Really mm-hmm. instantly recognizable. That, yeah. And that appears a, a ton throughout the film. Let's skip ahead to his second theme. I call this Kylo's lament, <laughs> only because it sounds uh, it sounds sadder. What what uh, John Williams says about it is he says it sounds ruminative and hesitant. Um, and it, it goes like this. It's also uh, in minor, but it's got kind of a different contour to it. Still mm-hmm. descending. That should sound mm-hmm. very familiar. It does. Right, same chord progression as Vader. Let's hear that um, in the film. This is in a track called The Abduction. There it is. Oh. So, oh, I love those strings after too. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, that great. Yeah, yeah, I think we owe, owe a little uh, debt of gratitude to Bernard Herman and some of the psycho music uh-huh. for that. But that's yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that's Kylo's Kylo's music. And again, Ray is always ascending, and Kylo is always descending. Or I think it's interesting that he has a lament. You know, like well, that's just what I call it. I mean, I I don't know, but but it does sound like one. Like I get what it you does. Call it I mean, it's very sad. You know, getting pulled down to the dark side, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what his whole journey in the film uh, is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is very sad. I think he's a very conflicted, very very torn character. Yeah, and and one that has hissy fits like crazy. Uh, yes, that's known as a temper tantrum with a lightsaber. My one of my very favorite one of my very favorite scenes in the film is uh, when he's having one of those fits, uh-huh. and two stormtroopers come around the corner and uh-huh. they hear him and they say, "Okay, let's go the other way," and they turn right back around, which is just just fantastic. It's so funny. That's good stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, the maybe the best way to to wrap this up is by going through uh, the last cue in the film. Does that okay. sound good? Sounds good to me, yeah. Because that that will really let us put together all of these various themes. Okay. There are a couple of themes that we did not touch on that you'll hear uh, as we go through, but I'll talk you through uh, this entire track. There's a, a new motif, actually, that begins 
um, this cue, which is when Ray has gone to the island where Luke Skywalker has been mm-hmm. hiding out all this time. Uh, very Wagnerian, interestingly, and it's clearly some kind of light motif, but it's something we've never heard before. And so my guess is we're going to be hearing this a lot uh, in Episode Eight. So okay. let's just hear the the Jedi steps and uh, and the finale, and I'll talk you through it. There's her bells. Interestingly, in G minor, which was Vader's key. Oh. And here comes that new theme in the cellos. you'll get another statement of it in the flutes. G minor is not an accident. Listen to this chord progression here. This is when we first see Luke. This is the Vader cadence. When we're first seeing Luke? That's right. Oh my god. That's right. And there's that motif in the horns again. And now this is all going to fade, and what you're going to hear is the Force theme when Ray pulls out the lightsaber and offers it to Luke. And it's actually done in the exact same way, same key, solo horn, as the binary sunset on Tatooine 40 years ago. Listen. to the Uh end title and it begins like all the films do the end title with this music here Luke's theme and here's the rebel fanfare the main theme again, Luke's theme. And now we transition, and the first theme that we'll hear is Ray's theme in her home key of A minor. There's the bells. There's the ostinato. Up 
to C-sharp minor, always rising her theme. rising motif in the low strings. There's Kylo's lament. And here comes Kylo's main theme. Now, this music is some of the the chase music from the first couple reels of the film when Ray and Finn are on the run from, uh, from the bad guys. Oscar Isaac's character, Poe, has a theme, and that's this here. Back to Ray and Finn's chase music. And here comes the resistance. of the Rebel fanfare. And I told you that he combines the Force theme and Ray's theme in Counterpoint right at the end of this.
space theme takes over. the way this ends. Who have we been looking for the whole film? Listen. How cool is that? So How cool. How cool is that? So Isn't cool. that great? And the best part about that is it actually ends in B-flat major, which is where we began the film oh my God. two hours and 15 minutes ago. That's the same key as his first presentation. And it's wow. fabulous. It's, it's, uh, it is the work of an extremely mature master composer. Not a master film composer, but a master composer. composer. He is, is uh, one of the, the greats of all time, I think. I would love to keep talking to you about this all day because I have so many more questions. But unfortunately, I think our time is up. And uh, Yes, we've filled up the pod with our cast. We filled the pod with our cast. <laughs> Brett, thank you so much for coming back. It was so great to talk to you. I, I, I... Oh, it's such a pleasure. It's always such a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Daisha. I hope this has been, uh, been fun and helpful. So helpful. And uh, may the force be with you. And also with you. <laughs> All right, everybody, that does it for this epic episode of Classical Classroom. For more Classroom, go to HoustonPublicMedia.org slash Classroom. You can follow us on YouTube, Tumblr, Twitter, SoundCloud, and you can listen to us and you can rate and review us on iTunes. And if you are listening that way, make sure you do that because uh, it helps us win at podcasting. Also, you can send me emails at dclay at HoustonPublicMedia.org. I love getting your emails, so send them on. Thanks today to X-Wing pilot Todd Dameron Holslander for twiddling knobs. Thanks to Supreme Leader Sinjin Flynn for appearing to us daily in the form of a giant hologram. Thanks to Protocol Droid Mark DeClaudio for his piercing LED eyes. Thanks to Jedi Knight Brett Mitchell for being here today. And uh, at WCLV, thanks to Princess Angela Organa Mitchell for all of her help. Thanks to uh, Randy Davis and to Al Dahlhausen for their help there as well. You guys, we really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks to me for saying words. Thanks to you for being here today. And may the force be with you, always.